I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. We are coming to you on Monday, June 12th, 2023, for release, I think, next week on the 19th, on Juneteenth. Oh, my God. We did not do a Juneteenth-centric episode for today. Damn it. But it's probably because we are both so enmeshed in our local Juneteenth celebration that we didn't even think to bring it into the podcast. Podcast. Nope. Podcast space. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Very good. Third, third time's a charm. Uh, this is why we don't record after 5 p.m. <laughs> I know. It's so true. Yep. There we go. Disclaimer. This is an evening recording. Who knows what the hell could happen? But you're right. We didn't even think about that. And you, my friend, have been very, very involved with our local Juneteenth festivities. Well, and you have been coming in clutch when I, who am so involved, get overwhelmed and can't do the shit I need to do. I'm always going to say yes to you. You know that. That's very sweet. (laughs) love you too. Look at this love fest over here. Yay. (laughs) Well, we hope wherever you are that if you're able to participate in some sort of Juneteenth observation that you are. And if you're in Longmont, I hope you went on Saturday. It'll be after. Yeah, you've already missed it, but I'm sure we're already recruiting for next year's committee. So uh, come join (laughs) because I'm not doing this shit alone again. (laughs) I love it. Good save. Good save. Then what are we talking about today? Yeah. So our non-Juneteenth related topic today is making the jump. Making the jump. What kind of jump? Making the jump from for-profit to non-profit. Oh, nice. And Brittany, why did this topic come about? Yep, yep, yep. This is my topic. Thank you so much. Well, I have noticed in a lot of the work that I've been doing lately, I have been working with people whose primary career has been in the for-profit sector and that as a second career have decided to, as you say, make the jump to the nonprofit sector. And I find that fascinating on a lot of different levels. The one conversation that I most recently had with someone whose first career was extremely, extremely lucrative, where they have been now able to retire I would say early. I don't know. Maybe I have a different view of retirement, but in their late 40s, early 50s. I don't think that's like a ridiculous view to think that that's early. Right. Okay, great. How many people do you know retiring in their 40s or even 50s? I know. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was kind of shocked when I heard that he was retiring, um, but it was because he's been so successful and has made so much money. And I thought he was going to just said that he was going to retire and, you know, maybe like go fishing or something like that. As he should. As he should. But instead, he divulged that he <laughs> is starting a second career. And I was like, oh, what are you going to do? And he said, I was just hired as the executive director of a nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite thing to hear ever. But I'm like, of course you were. Of course you were. Okay, great. 
I just loved it so much. So Brittany was at this event that had like multiple locations and called me from the car between locations just to tell me this story and how ridiculous it was. And then all of a sudden was like, I got to go back to the event. (laughs) Ran into the next place. (laughs) We'll talk more about it later. (laughs) I got to get this off my chest. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I have some pretty, I have some pretty strong thoughts on it. Mm. You do. I I don't expect that from you. I don't know. It's just this thought. And, you know, we're also over on our Patreon. So if you're not a subscriber over at Patreon, you should be. We have started our TV club where we're watching the show Loot, which is loosely based on the Mackenzie Scott life. And that character decides, like, I have nothing better to do, so I'm going to go and work for a nonprofit. Right. And that's kind of the thought of like, oh, I'm really trying to downshift in life. (laughs) So I'm going to go work for a nonprofit. And it's like, it's really fucking hard to work for a nonprofit. I don't like this thought that this is just kind of like a an easy exit ramp of your professional life. It just really pisses me off. Well, and like nobody would say that in any other industry. What he said, like, I'm retiring but then I'm going into this other thing in a nonprofit. Like, okay, I'm a doctor and I say I'm retiring from medicine, but I'm going into tech. Like nobody would say that. You're saying like you're doing a career transition. But for some reason, because we because too many people outside the sector see nonprofits as lesser, as easier, as something they can do as a hobby, they can quote unquote retire and then still work at a nonprofit. It's just so insulting. It is. And it clearly, I mean, just even making that statement tells me so much. Like, you clearly have no idea what you've gotten yourself into. (laughs) Exactly. He's about to have a rude awakening. You clearly have never worked in a nonprofit in your entire life and know it, like, don't know anything about how they're run. And I have another client that I'm working with, same thing, where their ED has come from outside of the sector and has come in and, you know, has actually said, like, I didn't need this job. The job I had before was paying three times the amount as this. Oh, God. But I saw the job description and I thought, wow, that sounds meaningful. And now they're struggling. Right. They're, you know, in the job and going, holy shit, this is not easy. And I just think it does a disservice to the organization that they walk into. I think it's so interesting. um, And I have a theory as to why. I think it's so interesting that I have certainly had the same experience where the majority of people I see shifting from for profit to nonprofit are coming in at the executive level. Yes, always. And my assumption about that is because. The fucking board of directors 100% are the ones who are like, oh, my God, look at this Fortune 500 company guy. He's going to be great for our organization, having zero idea about what actually happens day to day. That's exactly right. I mean, it's always the board who reads the resume and gets starry eyed and thinks this is exactly what we need. And so it's kind of, you know, I just wish that I could be part of those conversations mm-hmm. where they're recording these applicants, right? And what they're saying the job really entails. Yeah. And again, like fucking board of directors, I'm going to use the same example. So I'm a doctor, I decide to leave medicine. And I show up for an interview as a tech CEO, 
nobody's going to fucking hire me because I've never been in tech. Because you know nothing about it. Why, board of directors, are you hiring these people who have never spent a day working in a nonprofit? But they're like, oh, they have business acumen? Done. That's what we need. That's what we need. That's what we need to take this organization to the next level. I just, I don't, I don't get it. So like there's the the board of directors stuff, but also the hubris of the the candidates. I mean, I think we're probably mostly talking about men. I know. Sorry. Not sorry. But you and I would never consider like going into a totally new thing at the top, Right. Like you start at the bottom, you learn it, you work it, you move up, you put in your time, you learn how to do it right. We would never be like, I have never done this job in my life. I've never even seen somebody do this job in my life, but I am qualified. Hire me. Well, probably to our detriment, we're like that, right? We probably could learn something to be a little bit more confident, take more risks. Well, maybe there's a middle ground. Yeah, I do think there's a middle ground, but you're right. I mean, you look at the studies. We've said it on this podcast before a million times. I'm making up the statistics, but it's something around the fact that 80% or maybe even more of men will apply for jobs that they feel like if they fulfill 20% of the criteria, that's not the statistic, but it's something like that, right? Like men are more inclined to be like, what you said, I don't know. I mean, I've never done that, but it, I can figure it out. I'm going to apply. And women, on the other hand, are like, if we don't meet 100% of the criteria and the qualifications that are listed, oh my gosh, it says five years of experience and I only have four and a half. So I'm not going to apply. Then we don't do it. And I think it goes both ways, right? I mean, I think we have integrity and we want to be honest and we want to do right by whatever organization, company we're walking into. And sometimes we sell ourselves short because we have experience and the skill set to learn and to rise to the occasion. Yeah. Yeah. But in these cases, (laughs) (laughs) these fuckers, these fuckers, I just don't get it. I mean, I do. It comes down to, like you said, the board either seeing dollar signs, like this is a person who has a lot of capacity and wealth themselves. So they could probably bring a lot of other people into our sphere and our orbit and bring money in. Or they have this great resume with this flashy title that they've had before, and they're going to be able to rework, you know, our business structure. Right. Yeah. Well, let's start breaking down like the issues we then see when these motherfuckers come into these jobs unprepared, unawares, and ill-equipped. So like what you said right there, like not knowing the structures, not knowing what a nonprofit looks like on the inside is one of the biggest issues. Like they come in with this assumption about how work gets done, the speed at which work gets done, yeah, efficiency. That's always if somebody's looking for efficiencies, they're always going to be disappointed. <laughs> Seriously. And that's not to say that like out of the box thinking isn't helpful. It totally is. But when they come in without understanding that nonprofits are different and just kind of ram in, well, this is what worked in my last company I, I ran, and therefore to work here, you're going to see attrition, like probably pretty mass attrition. And then when you've lost all your staff and you are also running an organization you don't understand how it operates, you're fucked. Totally fucked. 
especially in this hiring climate. Holy shit. There's just not people that you can hire. And so I get it. There's like two sides to it. I'm always stepping on my soapbox to talk about how nonprofits are businesses and that we always forget that and that they need to be run like a business and they need to understand that having a profit is a good thing and they need to invest in their staff and all this kind of stuff, right? But on the other hand, if you're coming in and you're just trying to create, you're trying to mimic some sort of efficient corporate environment, people are going to say, fuck off. Fuck off. Like, I don't work for half of what I could be paid for in the for-profit sector so that you can like have this same structure control slash, you know, people in nonprofits, the culture tends to be, this is a bit of an exaggeration or a generalization, but more familial, right? It's, it tends to be more intimate and people share a lot more of themselves because they're constantly fucking working and they're putting themselves in really vulnerable positions, dealing with trauma, shared trauma, you know, depending on what the organization is and the service that they're providing. And they're also dedicated, like the most dedicated. So I feel like there's a, more allowances that are made, right? Like, well, maybe they're not as great as this, but, you know, they're really dedicated and they do this. And so that makes up for it. But you talk about efficiencies. We're all doing like six people's job. So exactly. I don't know what you expect. Well, that's one of my favorite examples. So I was working with a client and I've been working with the development director, primarily coaching her. And in the midst of our coaching contract, there was an ED transition. Board brought in a for-profit, fucked her to take over. And he and I were having coffee, just getting to know each other. I was kind of giving him a, you know, landscape overview. And he goes... You know, I got to say, I was really surprised when on day one, they didn't have me meet with HR. HR? And I said, with whom? And he said, HR. And I said, you are HR. <laughs> like, what do you mean? He was like, well, they, they they must contract it out. And I was like, no, they don't. No. <laughs> no. I was on the call the other day in an interview with a client and the person leading the call was like, we all went around and introduced ourselves, right? And she's like, I'm so-and-so, and I am in charge of, I'm the director of finance, HR, I oversee this program, so I'm program director of this program. She named like 20 different things. <laughs> I mean, it's like comical. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Like, I think that's an important thing to recognize, though, that like, scaling between for-profits and nonprofits feels very different. And I think part of that is because nonprofits have this push to invest in programs before infrastructure. So as an organization's growing, adding HR or finance might still be one of the last things on that list because it's about program growth, program growth, program growth. How can we serve more people? How can we help more? How can we get more people into our museum? Whatever that is. And then, oh yeah, fuck, we actually have people employed here. We might need an HR person. <laughs> right, exactly. Or something comes up where you're like, oh shit, we don't have a policy for this or anybody that someone can talk to about their complaints or their issue that they're having. I became good friends with LegalZoom when I was an ED. I could probably take the bar right now, let's be clear. 
<laughs> with how much time I spent on legal Zoom. Are you going to do a career change and just jump straight into law? Let me tell you, my encore career is either law or as an investigative journalist, whichever one I can mm. easily make mm-hmm. the change from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think investigative journalism is going to be a little bit easier because you don't have that roadblock of a degree. Oh, shit. That, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, journalists still have degrees. Fair. But there is a, a burgeoning uh, population of journalists that are like rogue online. And I feel like you could jump right into that pool. Like how we're going to start our true fire crime podcast. That's right. Coming soon. <laughs> the fire reframe. Fire reframe. Ah, that's great. Stay tuned, everyone. Quick side note for long-term listeners or new listeners who aren't long-term and don't know what the fuck we're talking about. We're in Boulder County, which had a massive fire like a year and a half ago, and they just came out with the causes. And one of them is tied to a cult. And we've been talking about doing a podcast about that. And I still think we should. It's ripe for it. I mean, people are just waiting for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, our current podcast on nonprofits. That's right. So... Another client that I work for has somebody in their finance department, nicest, nicest person, so nice, same thing. Oh, I worked my entire career for this Fortune 500 company, and I wasn't quite ready to retire, but I wanted to start shifting down, so I decided that I would come into the nonprofit sector for a couple years. Well, I started working with them, and... It's just completely different. Totally different. I mean, yeah. I know that at the like at the end of the day, like creating a budget and expense reports and PLs and balance sheets, they all follow the same formula. But there are some things that are very specific to nonprofit work that you don't have in the for-profit sector. Like how do you credit people with tax donations and what can people actually get that? tax deductible for and what can't they and all these different nuances that he just knows absolutely nothing about. I don't know. I just found it a bit, What I can't find the word that I'm looking for, but I just irresponsible really that you would take a job like that and then not at least take a course on nonprofit finance to just kind of learn what the differences are. This is so interesting because we are not currently sharing any clients, but I'm having so many similar instances. Similarly, another client, their finance person was on the board. And when the CFO left, the board member stepped into the finance role. Not a lot of nonprofit experience. And uh, I'm working with their development team. And so I asked for their program budgets. And she had no idea what I was talking about. Exactly. And then I was saying to the development director, okay, so this gift came in of over 5000 Save this letter for your audit. I shit you not. The finance person was like, what audit? And I was like, no. Okay. Again, like I know you're used to small businesses, nonprofits, over half a million dollars, usually do audits every fucking year. Every year. And you haven't been like keeping appropriate records for that for the last 12 months since you've been on this job? Cool. Cool, 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 cool. That's what I'm talking about. And the rest of the people on the board don't know enough about it either to be able to say, just because you know finance doesn't mean you're qualified to do this job. And then they get fucked. It fucks the organization. Yeah, it seriously does. I I mean, I know this isn't just the finance person, but when I was working with them, I was saying, well, let me see your fundraising budget. (laughs) And 
it was just like one lump sum. And I'm like, oh, yeah, could you get me like the greater detail of that? Like what rolls up into that? Show some sub accounts, please. <laughs> yeah. What are your sub accounts? They're like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you ever know if you're on track to hit any goal? <laughs> Seriously. And he's just like, well, this is like, this is the end number. You know, this is like our expenses and this is our revenue. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. He's like, I never. And he's so earnest. He's like, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Okay. Again, like you said, take a class. You've been there five years. Yeah. Like, educate yourself. All right. Because I don't like always talking about the shitty part of things, right? Because we've gotten in trouble on this podcast before. Like, well, yeah, only talking about the negatives of things. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got some, Mm -hmm. a nasty gram about that. You got that. I do have a couple of examples of where I thought somebody's for-profit experience was helpful in their role in the nonprofit. Do it. Okay, so one is an executive director, and she has her MBA. And she started working in the business and business side of things, and then quickly moved over to nonprofit work. And what I think has been great for her is that you know how in nonprofits we're always in the scarcity mindset. I feel like because she has this business background and knows about how profits fluctuate and how they move back and forth, she's not as rattled if all of a sudden they don't hit their budget one year. Yep, there it is. Because she has a bigger picture of kind of how revenue fluctuations work and she's better at weathering those storms, knowing how to make those corrections to course correct and that it'll come back. Yep. That's perfect. Gosh, I not saying that everybody should like use that to come join staff. That's the perspective on boards that I appreciate so much. Right. When they do that. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any where it's been a positive? Well, I, I worked for one once. I, 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 for a for-profit person who came over as CEO of a nonprofit. And how did that work? Was it a positive or a negative or a mix? It was interesting. You know, I actually think it worked out well for a few reasons. So it was a board member who came on staff after the CEO was fired. So moment of crisis, right? Stepped into it. And come to find out the organization was just like in shambles. So uh, the CEO intentionally turned over a lot of positions and I think had a good idea of the organization's operations because she was one of those really involved board members and so knew the kinds of things that needed to come, like to be in place to help it grow. Like she did some really great hiring, more or less. Nice, yeah. And the organization got put on a totally different path and she left maybe two years in, 18 months in. Like she knew it was not gonna be a long-term thing. She was that turnaround person. And I do think her extensive business background, USC, MBA, whole nine. I think that did help quite a bit, but it was a, a really a moment of transition. Like, I don't think she, she came in to like maintain ongoing operations that either she would have lasted or really been happy. Yeah. The flip side of it though, was she worked us to the bone. Yeah. Nonstop, awful hours. And I think for her, it was actually that the passion kind of overrode everything about it. Like, 
for the first time she was doing something so important that she couldn't turn it off. And then, therefore, the rest of us shouldn't either. That's hard. Yeah. It was an interesting thing to kind of watch play out. I mean, she was the one who hired me, so I didn't know much about the culture beforehand. The organization now has continued to grow and thrive. You know, she left over 10 years ago. So she did some right things, that's for sure. That's great. Yeah. I mean, the, the one executive director I was just talking about, she also really values leadership and leadership training. And so she encourages that with her staff and does a lot of paid staff trainings about leadership, which I think is so valuable. And it just it's professional development, right? It's also personal development and will help them no matter where they go next. The other that I'm thinking of is a client that I'm working with and they're a brand new little nonprofit, baby nonprofit, just getting started a couple years in. And they're doing great. And they were founded uh, by a bunch of people. Their background is in startups. It's located out in California. And so they're used to really having to put pitches together. And so they have a pitch deck and they really kind of approach fundraising, kind of like finding investors, which I think is great because that's essentially what donors are. And how can we look for investors and venture capitalists, you know, that would maybe want to invest in our nonprofit to get it going? Mm-hmm. And so I've seen their approach to it is very different than what I'm used to seeing in nonprofits that have been around for forever. And I think it's working for them. Mm-hmm. Is it interesting to you that the two examples we have of ones that worked were women? And, and this is not just me being a man hater, <laughs> which I have been accused of on this podcast. And some days it's true. But I do think there's there's something interesting about a sector that is dominated by women. Having men from a different background, right, coming from a different sector, coming in to a space that is dominated by women that they're not familiar with, that kind of culture clash, I think, amps up all the issues. Whereas having women join teams that are primarily women, it's it's a different vibe. It really is. Like there's a different intensity. There's a different level of understanding and also of bringing people along. I think that that is actually one of my biggest critiques of things I've seen. And it goes back to what you were saying about how nonprofits are like so familial. Like we really work hard to garner buy-in from our team. Like we feel like every member is valued, their opinions matter, and we we want them part of decisions. Right. One of the biggest issues I've seen with men coming in, sometimes just from larger nonprofits, but definitely from for-profits, is this very hierarchical top-down, this is my decision, we're moving forward with it, we've got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And by not bringing people along, not only are they like ruining relationships, but they're making it really clear that like that culture of warmth and buy-in and camaraderie is shattered. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And then they're sitting there wondering why all of their staff have left. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay, quick side note. Uh, Because we're recording this at night, my husband's home, and I've just looked out the window, and I'm quite sure he is leaning over our fence into our our neighbor's fence behind us and cutting limbs off their trees. Is this an (laughs) offense? Do I need to be worried that, like, law enforcement (laughs) might get involved with this? 
I know nothing about that. I mean, he's a certified arborist, so that's something. He's a vigilante tree trimmer. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's on the podcast. Uh, It's documented in case it ever goes to court. He's more than welcome to come over to our house and trim some stuff up. I have no problem with that whatsoever. (laughs) Still working on that pollinator yard? (laughs) Yeah, totally. No, my yard looks great. My my yard looks really great. I do want to pull us back one more time. So I looked up, just just Googled a little bit, making the jump from for-profit to non-profit. And it was kind of interesting. Is there a book about it? Oh, I don't know if there's a book, but there are a bunch of articles. Okay. Harvard Business Review has one. Idealist has one. A lot of different ones. I want to go through some of the tips from Idealist. So again, this this is targeting for-profit folks who are trying to make the jump into nonprofits. They talk about casting a wide net, networking, blah, blah, blah. Their number three tip, be prepared for resistance. Nonprofit leaders and hiring professionals are usually stretched very thin and have limited time for out-of-the-box non-traditional thinking and hiring. This can take the form of everything from not having the time to meet with you to dismissing your work portfolio as irrelevant or unrelated to the skills and experience for which they usually hire. That's hysterical. I mean, I'm both like pissed off and like, ow, that hurt. (laughs) I know. I'm I'm like, is that what we just basically did in this podcast? (laughs) Exactly. Um, expect your motivations to be challenged. That's a good one. There are some really weird ones like offer to intentionally intern. What the fuck is that? I don't know what that is. Talks about like your skills, you know, being able to play in nonprofits. Number 11, know that corporate backgrounds could be a red flag. To some nonprofit organizations, especially smaller grassroots groups, for-profit experience signals a culture clash. For example, will you expect administrative or technical support or a personal office space? Your personal values and style may be a convincing antidote to or an affirmation of these concerns. Nonprofits value many business disciplines and processes from the for-profit sector, but highlighting these attributes without the stereotypical cultural baggage, quote unquote, or the I'm here to fix everything attitude will help you make, to borrow from the language of business, a soft but firm sell. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's that's funny. That last sentence is like idealist trying to play in for profits, and I don't totally. think it's working for them. <laughs> it's not working, but they're pretty spot on. Uh huh. Mine, I mean, number ten. How many are there? Seventeen. Okay, eighteen. Number eighteen should be like show some fucking humility. That's it. It's just like recognize that you don't know everything, mm-hmm. and come in just like you would. Any new job that you start of like, let's get a a lay of the land. Let's figure it out. Let's see how things are working before you just start spouting off your for-profit. Gobbledygook. Gobbledygook. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the big thing. Like so many of the examples we've given are really just like being offended that people think so little of nonprofits and their staff. It's true. So yeah, uh, be kind. Be humble. Stop being a jackass. And if you're independently wealthy, maybe just give your money away. Don't run a nonprofit. And don't talk about how much fucking money you have. Seriously. And how you didn't, quote unquote, need this job. That's a great way to really get staff behind you. All right. Well, for all you nonprofit staff out there, we see you. We love you. We know that you're doing the hard work. We love you. You're so important. 
People can't just come in and take over your job. How 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 does Gen Z do it like that? Yeah, yeah, like that. <laughs> Gen Z. <laughs> Sorry, I literally almost just said, "Who's Gen Z?" Oh, Jesus Christ. I just also realized that this is a podcast, so nobody just saw what we were doing. <laughs> no, no, that might have to be cut out, but that's all right. I like it. Leave it in. We were making hearts with our hands in the millennial Gen X way and then the Gen Z way. We'll post a picture on our socials. Make sure you follow. Or subscribe to Patreon because don't they get the video? Yeah, yeah. If you subscribe at the manager or higher level you get a video of it and you can see us being absolute idiots to each other. We're on patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at nonprofit reframe and always feel free to email us. And sometimes we'll get back to you in a reasonable amount of time. Sometimes not for a while. Nonprofit reframe at gmail.com. Thanks everyone. Thanks. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind the scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors. Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at brittanywilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy, and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening.